Hey everybody, this is Kim Bean and you are listening to All Things Wolf and Wild. My guest today is Nick Jivak. Nick grew up in eastern Iowa as an avid outdoorsman that spent his time camping and cycling, fishing, and hunting on his family's land in Minnesota. He studied anthropology at the University of Iowa, and he applied those skills throughout the western U.S., France, Germany, and Honduras. Nick ended up settling in Montana, where he earned his master's degree at the University of Montana in journalism. He honed those skills as a reporter for papers in Bozeman and Butte, and covered some of the wolf issues and the fight surrounding the delisting of wolves from the Endangered Species Act. Nick moved on from journalism and became the conservation director for Montana Wildlife Federation, where he worked wildlife conservation issues at the federal, state, and local levels, including wolf and grizzly bear policy. You know, I had a great conversation with Nick. We talked about ethics in hunting, wolves, grizzlies, and public resources, and our desperate need to protect them. So, kick back, have a listen to what was a very, very important conversation. Hey, Nick, how you doing today? I'm well, how are you? I am great, thank you very much. It's nice and snowy here and cold, and then probably this weekend will be in the 70s. That's typical springtime. So, but I'm really, really, really glad to have you here with me to have a conversation, and um, let's just get at it. That's what I say. Sure. So... I pretty much know you from your position as the conservation director with Montana Wildlife Federation, you know, working with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks and issues there and legislative issues over the years. But what I wasn't aware of was your educational background. So you've got um, a bachelor's in anthropology, which I'm fascinated by. You've got a master's in journalism. So if we can kind of, you know, I want to pop back and forth a little bit in your life and get to know who you are. You came from Iowa. Um, you know, there's all kinds of cool stuff. So I just, let's get to know Nick Jivak, kid running into wolves, you know, and then becomes an anthropologist. Let's start sure. from there. <laughs> it's a roundabout loop and how I ended up in Helena, Montana exactly. and working for the Montana Wildlife Federation. So uh, well, thanks for having me on. And yes, it is a gorgeous, sunny, uh, late winter evening in Helena, Montana. So, um, yeah, I grew up in eastern Iowa and I grew up in a big sporting family. I grew up hunting and fishing. Um, and despite the ribbing of Iowa, I grew up with some pretty amazing hunting there, mainly for upland birds. And we trained bird dogs and that kind of stuff. But we also had. 80 acres of timber land. My, my family wasn't rich nor poor, but my parents bought um, 80 acres of timber in northern Minnesota. So in 1983, when I was 12 years old, I had a wolf 100 yards from my tree stand up there, which I just thought was amazing. Mm. And, you know, wolves never left there. So, um, you know, I thought it added to my hunting experience and it was just, it was really cool. So, Anyway, I went on, though, to study anthropology because I really loved it at the University of Iowa, and that led to some early years in um, doing archaeology in, in northern France and in Germany, uh, eventually ended up down in Honduras, Central America, and then worked all over the American West. And, um, you know, that was fun in my early 20s, but um, was sort of drawn toward journalism. Uh, landed at the University of Montana and earned a master's degree there in journalism. So, and then spent 11 years as a daily newspaper reporter in uh, Bozeman and Butte. So, I landed in Bozeman six years after the reintroduction in, of wolves into Yellowstone National Park. And although I didn't cover, you know, the environmental issues specifically in Bozeman. I did when I moved over to the Butte paper. So I had a long history of covering, you know, the wolf issue, so to speak, yeah, the as well as all hmm? the challenges that were happening through, through that time frame, especially, I mean, you know, that was, the, that was the fun, good early years in the, you know, the, the, the early 2000s, late 1990s, early 2000s. That was, you know, that was when life was actually pretty, pretty easy in the wolf world. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it was really, you know, the, the, 
the fact that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service said we're going to recover this species, and we had roughly 65 wolves in Montana, mostly centered up in the um, North Fork of the Flathead. But the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service stepped in and said we're going to jumpstart this effort by reintroducing wolves into the park, as into Yellowstone National Park, as well as into central Idaho. And to watch what I think anybody objectively would have to say that it was among the most successful wildlife reintroductions in U.S. history mm-hmm. in terms of their spread in numbers and geographic range. And so it was it was neat to see. Yeah, it's 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 been a, it's been a hell of a ride. I think being a, you know, a journalist, I mean, what was what was the majority of what you covered as far as a journalist, you know, the was it mainly politics and nature or were you pretty much an all around uh, journalist reporter? Sure. Well, so I, um, you know, I, I mean, I started like any young cub reporter covering local government, but that was in Gallatin County in Bozeman, but then sometimes pinch hit and covered, you know, when uh, my colleague was off on vacation or something, I covered environmental issues. And then when I moved over to Butte, I really did cover, um, natural resources, public lands, wildlife, and and sporting issues. And in fact, I had a, a hunting and fishing column there. So, oh, really? What, re- was, what was the name of your column? That's kind of cool. Just in the hunt. In the hunt. You know, I love a, it. Yeah, I wrote things about, um, you know, ethical hunting and what I considered. And, you know, I teed off on game farms. I... Um, I just gave the perspective of what I always thought was the Leopoldian hunter, the, mm. uh, you know, the hunter who really just was a wildlife conservationist first and a hunter second. And I was proud of that. That's something that I, you know, I just had a conversation um, about that specific topic, you know, ethics and hunting, I think is one of my, <clears throat> my biggest um, concerns these days, because I feel ethics is gone. And those are things we can talk about in a little bit, but um, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a, a, a fearful thing for me is to see us going forward in, in, um, conservation or the lack of that word. I think it's kind of going away, but you know, with this, I think it's time for you to make another, uh, um, you know, do another, um, article about ethics and hunting. I think it could use your words right now, especially in the Western States. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the people say, well, how do you define fair chase? Well, I think there's a really Jim Posowitz, the legendary, the legendary Jim Posowitz, who was a friend of mine who we lost two years ago, had a great simple saying, the animal has a reasonable chance to get away. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I talk about, you know, you go out hunting and, you know, in, in a simple terms, it's supposed to be hard. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to practice all year, know your your weapon, whether it's a rifle or a shotgun or a bow, know what your range is, know that you have an exceptionally good opportunity to, you know, put that bullet or arrow directly in the vitals for a, a quick, clean, humane kill. And, you know, that's that's what hunting's supposed to be. And then finally, you know, to celebrate that success and um, you know, and, and enjoy, you know, the, the, the game meat that you get from it. And, um, that's all a part of the hunt. And I agree with you. I think it's really being lost and it's really, it makes me sad because, you know, I've been a hunter my entire life. Well, I should say since I was 12 and legally could, but, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, anybody who knows the history of our country knows that hunters were at the absolute forefront of restoring wildlife. You know, in 1900, there were 5,000 elk in the state of Montana. Today, there are about 160,000 elk. And that is the direct result of the restoration efforts of hunters. And what always just baffled me about this attitude about wolves and other predators like grizzly bears was, you know, it's true that we got to restoring those species last, but it is also true that, you know, the only reason we can have these species on the landscape is because there's abundant prey for them to eat. Mm-hmm. And that is a direct result of hunters. So 
why won't hunters take some pride in mm. the role they played in restoring these species instead of just this vitriolic hatred that you see? And I've written those things in my column in the past and take some pride that, you know, we got to those species last because we had to put the entire pyramid back so that there was prey for them to eat. And we've done that. Do you, so, you know, that's actually a phenomenal um, statement. And, and I, you know, I, I have to agree with that. Right. I mean, but I find it interesting. Um, Why don't hunters take pride in that fact. Instead, like you said, the vitriol, I mean, this hatred, this angst towards uh, these predators that are so necessary, and I mean bears, lions, uh, wolves, all of it. But what I found really interesting over the years is that these departments, and I will say all that I've dealt with, and that's Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, um, Colorado even at this point, you know, these departments do not correct hunters when they talk about ungulate herds and you know the lack of 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 these these animals montana will speak specifically where i've got you know legislators and and hunters that are saying oh my god the wolf you know the wolves have decimated the elk herds up in region 1 and 2 and it's like you haven't even counted elk for like 12 years in these areas But nobody in these organizations, so Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, they don't correct these people when they talk about false information. They don't say that's not true or this is incorrect data or the data shows. They don't do that with these hunters. And I think it allows hunters to be ignorant to fact and be, you know, uh, continue this this hatred towards something that is not an issue. Right. Well, I, there's a lot there that you said, Kim. So I let, know, let me. Sorry, I just keep going because it's like that's ah, a note of contention. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to back up. So we talk about the vitriol of hunters, but I think if you take a hard look in the mid 2000s as we were meeting those recovery goals i was a reporter and i often went out to the game check you know for this kind of annual story you know beginning of hunting season and i chatted with hunters and i heard this a lot i don't hate wolves i just want to see them managed and then we had met the recovery goals and it went on and on and finally we went through the 2009 delisting and the first wolf hunt in state history Mm-hmm. And I emphasize that because there was never a hunt in the past. It was an eradication policy. Right. You know, Sounds and people familiar. who don't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and the history there, anybody who reads history, when there was a bounty on wolves in the early 20th century, people used to raise them in pens just to club them in the head and bring them, bring them in and get the bounty. Mm-hmm. And that just shows you the perverse effect of, of horrible policies like that. But but anyway, they, you know, and, and I still think, I don't think the vitriol is as widespread as we think it is. And I, I can back that up with this amount of data, with some data. Okay. We sell in rough numbers, I'm trying to get the fresh numbers, but about 135,000 general elk licenses in Montana. Now that's to state residents and, um, and we sell a, just over 16,000 wolf licenses. So um, that should tell you that the vast majority of hunters are indifferent to wolves. They don't hate them or love them. They're not even buying a really cheap tag in the event that they encounter a wolf while out in the field. And so I think that vitriol is a small but extremely vocal minority. Mm -hmm. I, I really do. And they certainly make their presence known at the legislature and you know, now, now let's get into some hard data. First off, let, wildlife science is fascinating to me because there are so many variables, right? Like in a lab with a bacteria, you can set the temperature and you can set the humidity and you can give it this much UV light and you can have, you control things. But a, any, but the, the amount of work that goes into designing any solid peer-reviewed wildlife science paper is immense. And so it's such an easy answer to say wolves are killing all the elk. Right. And you say, well, show me some proof. 
Now, elk numbers are down up in Region 1, I'll grant you that, and they do have the highest pack densities. I mean, we, you know, we can't say that wolves aren't a part of the issue here, right? I mean, they're not eating cabbage. No, they are predators. But how can you, you know. tell me that, and I'm just going to interject, because they have not done elk counts, I believe, in Region 1, certain portions of Region 1 for literally since the uh, 2000, I, I've got to look this up again, 2009, 2008, something like that. How do you know? If you're not doing right. counts, how the hell do you know how many elk you have? Right. No, and, and I and I, I agree with you. So I mean, I'm kind of curious. Me, I mean, that's hard to say that the elk numbers are down when you don't even know what the count has been in 12, 14 years. Right. And it is a different landscape up there. It's more, far more of a jungle. It's timbered. It's, sure. you know, it's, it's harder to see animals. But I wanted to keep going. I hunt a landscape in southwest Montana. I'm not about to get too specific, but mm-hmm. it has both species of bear, grizzly and black bear, mm-hmm. mountain lions and wolves, and it has a post-winter elk calf, elk recruitment rate of 58 calves per 100 cows. Now, with elk, that is a phenomenal recruitment rate. Recruitment isn't elk, you know, calf production. It's the calves that survived the winter. So they do their counts about now, maybe mid to late March. And these are the calves that are going to make it. 30 calves per hundred cows is more than sufficient to replace what you know human hunters take and the point i'm making is it's not just predators i mean you listen to these people and you'd think that's the only factor affecting elk numbers it's nutrition it's habitat quality absolutely and so if we want to get more elk in northwest montana let's let some fire go (laughs) let's (laughs) maybe some targeted timber projects i you know, to get some of that early um, successional growth in the forest. Um, all of these things, I mean, we need to look at. But first off, let's get some hard science to see if elk numbers are down, why? Right. And in fact, we were looking at, a, the agency was looking at a study like that, and um, the legislators, they didn't want to see it. And so, I, you know, I think that, so when you come around, why is this vitriol or what is it with this small group of people? And that gets into an entirely different agenda. And that is wolves as a guise to privatize public wildlife resources. We've Amen. seen it in Utah with a group called Sportsmen for Fish and Wildlife, and they played the wolf card really hard. And at the same time, they have these auctions with tags for trophy tags and money goes to this group with no accounting and they get 10% of the tag sales. I mean, it is, you know, wolves are a convenient guys for a much bigger agenda. I agree. I think grizzly bears are on the same, the same path or going to be on the same path path. Um, and we see that already amping up with the need to get them off the endangered species list. Um, it's a scary thing to me. I, I don't think anything's going to be, and I hope I'm right. I don't think anything is going to be as horrendous as they treat wolves. I think that's just been centuries of, you know, it's in the kernel of our brain as humans to 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 hate wolves, I guess, you know, and to villainize them. I mean, we make we we have nursery rhymes because of it. So, sure. Well, um, Barry Lopez is of wolves and men, right? His, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's. I often wondered, Kim, too, when, so I wondered if the fact that they were reintroduced versus letting them recolonize, because there were 65 wolves in Montana. And remember, in the mid-90s, the Sierra Club sued to prevent the reintroduction of wolves Mm -hmm. and said, let them come in on their own. They'll have the full protection of the Endangered Species Act. There'll be greater social acceptance, you know, but they lost and and they went ahead. And But the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service was basically like, no, we're going to jumpstart this effort with Mm -hmm. some reintroductions. And when you talk to people with the service, the federal service, they'll always tell you that one of the things they've learned throughout the decades is it's always easier to take an existing population of a species and grow it rather than reintroductions. And that's why I say that the reintroduction 
of wolves was one of the most successful ever in U.S. history in terms of how quickly they spread. They're very fecund species. Oh, absolutely. Unless you you get the human animal, which, and of course, I will will beat us up every chance I get because I watch it happen so often. Colorado is a great example of that. You know, they had this quiet little pack, right, here in the northern end of, of, of Colorado, northwest. And... You know, people start voting. We, we get the vote going. And just before the vote hits, um, they come out and they go, well, we've already got a wolf pack here. We've already got a wolf pack here. How long did it take for three, I believe, of those wolves to be killed? It's That's the problem, right, is that right. we would love to have self you know, for them to colonize themselves. I think that's, you know, it just alleviates all this stress and strife. Like, I agree with you. But we also don't allow it to happen. We're either... You know, using poison to kill them, guns, whatever we got to do, we just don't want them to be there. And I say we as as just you know the human the human populace. But I think that I I would love to be able to, and I've had this conversation with numerous people. Yes, I would love for them to just self colonize. You bet that would be great. But are we allowing it to happen? Well, uh, first off, I would say we're definitely not because the fact that those wolves made it to Colorado is nothing short of a miracle. They yes. ran the gauntlet of yeah. Wyoming, which has, which is amazing. I mean, Wyoming has this predator status throughout the state, yeah. and you know the politics of how Montana and Idaho delisted, but Wyoming didn't because yeah. they wanted this predator zone. And somehow they made it <laughs> there yeah. and made it to oh, Colorado. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's miraculous. But, you know, I do think that, you know, Montana did set a much different standard as we went into the delisting. I mean, let's be honest here. No species of wildlife has ever come off the endangered species list and faced such aggressive hunting yeah. and just, you know, but Montana did things a little differently. If you recall, mm-hmm. Kim, in in 2009, the first wolf hunt in state history, they set a statewide quota of 75 wolves. They right. said, we're going we're gonna to have a hunt. We're going to learn. They ended up killing 76. It was, you know, and then we had 2010, we didn't have a wolf hunt. They went back on the list as a result of litigation. Then the uh, Tester Simpson rider in the spring mm. of 2011. But even after that, Montana set a quota of 180 wolves based on the numbers and you know, then the next year they went to somewhere around 230 or 235 or 240, somewhere in there. Right. And then, you know, each year it was incremental and they said, you know, okay, we'll see if they can handle this. And then come December, after the general deer and elk season, they would do a review and see where they were at in any one particular district. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then when Governor Bullock came in, one of the first bills he signed went from one wolf a year to up to five. And it, you know, we we continued to liberalize wolf hunting seasons to allow more harvest. Now, more kill of wolves. Now, I'm sure that there are people who thought that we were killing way too many wolves. And there are people who thought we weren't killing nearly enough. And what is, but, but overall, that means we probably had some type of detente, some type of reasonable middle ground hunt that was working. And we had sort of reached a, you know, I, I, like, like people like you, you might not like it, but you accept that it's going to happen in the modern era, right? Right. Management of the species. And, and then, you know, and I, I will tell you, in my eight and a half years at Montana Wildlife Federation and four legislative sessions, we beat back all kinds of these bills for bounties and, um, you know, night hunting and just all of this. In the 2019 session, we did agree, you know, we lowered the wolf tag price. We we did everything we could to liberalize wolf hunting regulations yeah. while maintaining some reasonable sense of fair chase and hunting ethics. And of course, that all went out the window in the 2021 legislative session. Yeah, all hell broke loose. Actually, you know, um, with that and, and you know, you I'm trying to remember, um, I think it was Mar- March of, of, of last year. You know, it was uh, at the end of the legislative session there, and you were quoted in the New York Times, and I actually applauded this because, you know, I've always had that note of contention, right? It's that, it's that 
stop promoting it because if we can just keep them out of the 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 limelight in my opinion if we could do stopped politicizing the wolf i think a lot of things would changed but would have been different but you know in the new york times you were quoted as saying this is an all-out war on wolves and for me to have you and the you know montana wildlife federation say this is too much and you did you said that you said this is an all-out war on wolves and um, I think the next thing you said was, you know, th- this is going way overboard. We believe in, you know, we believe in the, the, the um, take of wolves, but we believe in fair chase. It was something to that effect. And I thought that was pretty damn admirable, you know, coming from, you know, the hunting organization. And I think that the Federation is uh, far different than that of like um, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. So, and I mean that in a good way. Um so I thought that was pretty pretty awesome because Fair Chase, that all this liberal hunting that they came up with with the legislation, it threw it threw that completely out the window. You know, I mean there that's there is nothing ethical, there is nothing about Fair Chase in everything that they pushed through. And that's Fielder and Brown and their bills two two five, two two four, you know, three oh four. All these all these bills that they pushed through were literally Going back to the, a plan of eradication, the only thing they're missing is poison. Yeah, well, and, you know, I, the other thing I called it was a 19th century approach. Yes, and it's, yes, yes. you know, it, it's, um, you know, it's, you know, the way we, we said, I think last session hurt me more than anyone in the sense that I truly believed in the conservationist hunter. I thought that you know once once that that hunt was there and you know there there was what some people said management and you know i knew other people would be uncomfortable with it but that all this would die down and then they did this and i think that we need to be thinking in 2022 about the image of hunters Mm. because you know the the state said for years we're going to manage them like any other species we we have elk herds that are over objective and we don't use night vision we don't gun them down at night we don't do baiting baiting is illegal you know it it is a clear the intent is to drive them down to some bare minimum number and there's no other big game species that we manage like that not one you know and so it's uh you know if, if we started gunning down elk at night people would be outraged so why shouldn't they be with wolves that they were killing a lot of wolves each year and you know i i'm i don't know what the latest estimate of the count is i know wolves are difficult to count it's not like counting elk herds on winter range but you know this it's you know regardless of what the the harvest was this year the kill you know it's the point is the intent Mm -hmm. and there's no other species that is managed like that and it, it it gives hunters a black eye. It it uh, it disregards any sense of ethics or fair chase, and uh, and I think that is important for the future of hunting. So. Yeah, and I think you know right now I think we're you know the 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 quota the quota there is no quota the uh, the 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 killing harvest whatever you want to call it is two fifty eight right now, which I find intriguingly funny, ironic funny is that we're at the, what, almost the middle of March. Season closes on the 15th. We uh, are pretty close to on par with last year, and that is including all these disturbingly liberal uh, hunting, well, killing techniques. It's not hunting anymore. Um, and we're still in the same same space, right? We're not, we're not, there's not 500 wolves or 600 wolves or 800 wolves dead um so for me and i don't know what your thoughts are on this but for me that literally means we don't have you know hundreds or thousands of wolves running around the landscape you know hiding behind um stop signs in every tree there's a reason these wolves are not being killed and it's not (laughs) it's not because they're smarter than everybody else although i sometimes think they are but there's just not that many wolves out there, as many as they say. I think I think this is true overkill, 
And I'm worried that they're going to turn around. I don't know what your thoughts are again, but on the 15th and say, yeah, we didn't quite kill the amount we needed to. So we're just going to go ahead and extend the season. What do you think? You know, I don't know. I mean, it's again, I, um, I can't imagine, you know, if, well, yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of that. You know, the other reason, of course, we don't hunt animals mostly when they're heavily pregnant, you know, and so, well, we're getting there. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, actually we do though with elk. I mean, the, the other irony of the 2021 legislative session is in the same hearing Mm -hmm. where some of these wolf bills came, they would have a bill talking about how desperate they are to kill elk. Mm -hmm. And, and it was, you know, it, it was, and I wrote things like this him years ago. Are there too many wolves or too many elk? I mean, you know, I, and you know, some hunters don't want to hear this, but the fact is I absolutely think wolves should be part of, of, um, that aspect of, of, you know, in areas where we're over elk objectives, Mm -hmm. um, you know, killing some elk and candidly, they are going to prey on weaker, sicker animals. They kill plenty of healthy animals too. Let's be realistic here. Sure. But secondly, and we will, we did not shy away from this at MWF. Wolves can be part, part of the solution of addressing chronic wasting disease, because as those animals become compromised, they will be selected and taken out of the population. Now, you will never hear me say that they can eradicate chronic wasting disease. I don't think that's realistic. The animals are shedding those prions, if you know much about chronic wasting disease, before they're symptomatic. But I absolutely think they could be part at keeping prevalence down by selecting for those animals and getting them out of the population. And overall, I mean, Doug Smith has all kinds of research out of Yellowstone that they are taking older cow elk. They are taking um, less robust, healthy animals. Um, You know, at certain times of the year, that's the bulls right after the rut because they're in such weakened body condition. You know, let's be realistic here. Yeah. These things don't, you know, anyway. Yeah, I think, I think, and you know, you're bringing up Yellowstone and Doug, uh, Doug Smith and the Wolf Projects, um, you know, data. We've learned more from those guys uh, and gals out there than, you know, in their time frame with wolves. And then we have, you know, in God, for decades, right? I mean, we've just gotten such great science out of, out of Yellowstone. And I think it's... Uh, you know, looking at this legislative session, more importantly, going out beyond legislation and looking what the commissioners did by uh, removing the quotas that, damn it, we worked our butts off to put into that, uh, into, into 313 and 316. And, um, you know, by, by, by taking away those quotas that we had, um, that was a blatant, a blatant, um, proverbial middle finger to to the Fed, to the park, to wolf watchers, to you know the wolf enthusiast, however you want to look at it, and an absolute an absolute war on on wolves of Yellowstone. And by killing, you know the amount of wolves they did, Yellowstone wolves. You know you're looking at 25 wolves overall, uh, 19 actually more than that. We know that there's there's quite a bit of poaching that had happened as well, but. Um, you know, to me, that wasn't just that wasn't just to kill these park wolves. That killed a big chunk of science, or at least you know, stunted it quite a bit by quite a few years, according to Doug. I think he said four to five years. This is setting them back. That's one season. You know, what's going to happen in the next two? Right. I mean, this is a war. We we've got to find a way to stop this. And I'm not sure how you know hunters are feeling about that aspect. I mean, I'm, you know, I see my side of it and I hear the, the, you know, that tiny little percentage that just loathe and hate, you know, wolves. But where do you think, I mean, by looking at that as a, as an ethical hunter, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. And so, you know, the quota was, it was a concession because the only areas in the state that had a quota were right around the national parks. And I thought that was a reasonable compromise. People could argue about the number it was usually two wolves, right? And so, you know, and I, I think hunters should be, again, thinking about, they should be up in arms just saying, this is not good for the state of Montana. We do have all kinds of research. And again, 
those hunting districts are grossly are well over objective for elk. Right. So (laughs) still, and I asked the ranchers in that Valley if they want double the number of elk in there. So I I just, I think that it was um, ill thought out. And I, I think hunters should be out saying, you know, what's going on here. Think of what you're doing to our image, you know, and you know, people, you accept wildlife as a public resource. People enjoy wildlife in all kinds of different ways. You know, there's an assumption that it's an either or. I mean, I'm a wildlife watcher. I grab the binoculars on a winter day and I go out and I just go look at herds of elk. And I, you know, I've seen wolves while I was out elk hunting and I thought it was pretty cool. You know, I've seen mountain lions. I've seen grizzly bears (laughs) backpacking, uh, hiking, you know. And so um, I think that I think that it's wise to recognize that um, people enjoy wildlife in all kinds of different ways and that they should have a seat at the table. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that statement. I think that uh, I think the biggest concern I have, one of the biggest concerns, I guess I have a lot of those, um, is is that ability to sit down as a and, 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 you know, we can look at it as a consumptive, non-consumptive. Uh, land user. And I think we all kind of utilize the land in some consumptive way, but, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, but that ability to sit down and say, you know, you had mentioned this in the beginning, that this is, you know, basically a commercialization of our wildlife and our wildlands, right? I mean, basically, that that's the problem we're having. And I know I kind of touched on this with the other day when we were talking, but I really am curious, how do we sit down as land users, right? As people who love our public lands and our wild lands for whatever their reasoning is, whatever their, their, their joy of that land is, how do we sit down and say, how do we, how do we keep it as ours? How do we take that back? How do we, how do we hold on to that and keep it from being commercialized and, and go that route? How do we do that as a collective? Well, I mean, I think that we we need to form broad coalitions with different interest groups who we don't always agree with, mm-hmm. but and work on the things together that we can. You know, it, it's like passing wilderness bills. I mean, the Wilderness Act is basically, to me, a statement that the highest and best use of this land is wildlife. Right. I mean, in many regards and and. Hunters, you know, you benefit from those lands as a hunter, even if you never step foot in them. Right. You know, other portions of our public lands, whether it's national forest lands or Bureau of Land Management. I mean, I'm a serious mountain biker. I recognize that it can't all be wilderness, but, you know, they're not making any more land and these places are pretty special. So that's that is um, just an example of where we need to you know, band together with all kinds of interest groups, you know, the Wilderness Society formed by one of the co-founders was Aldo Leopold, literally the inventor of modern wildlife science, Hunter, you know, and Olas Murray and all of these people. And so I think that's important is to make ourselves heard, you know, And, and that was another thing that MWF joined in on. I mean, the state of Idaho was out there shooting wolves Mm. in wilderness areas and i just think that's reprehensible i mean what are you trying to do create a game farm here or a natural functioning ecosystem i think i think that's the problem and 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 that's i think is it in a nutshell i you know game farms it, it makes it a lot easier for outfitters when there's nobody else out there hunting what they want it's a lot easier to go get that you know, six point, seven point, eight point elk for the guy that paid them a whole lot of money to go hunting for that. When you don't have, um, you know, elk being moved around and and healthy. And I don't know, maybe I'm. It's too simplistic in my head, but that's kind of how it feels to me. Is that if you eliminate the predators off the landscape besides the two-legged human predator then it just makes life so much easier. And I remember hearing hunters say that years ago at FWP meetings where I had one guy up there and he said, this is ridiculous. There's no more elk where I use, I have hunted the same valley for 50 years and there's no elk there anymore. I can't, my favorite words, drive up to that, (laughs) that clearing. There's no elk there anymore. The wolves have killed them all. And it's like, 
either your ignorance is extreme or, you know, the elk are not going to this specific, you know, meadow and killing all these elk. They're moving them around. But this is the mentality out there. And how do you, how, how do you change that mentality? And I keep going round and round and round and I realize, but how do you change that mentality when you have departments such as Montana Fish, Wildlife and Parks and Fishing Game and everybody else not correcting them? They're right. almost, they're literally almost saying, yep, they're right. Why we've got everybody wanting to, to, to do the same thing. Well, I think you, I think you take it head on and you say, you're right. You can't go up into that valley. Things changed. And that's, that gets back to my point. It's supposed to be hard, Mm. you know, now, now granted, um, the hunting population is aging too. And I think that's something we have Mm. to consider, but you know, those of us in the words of my mentor, Jim Posowitz, I, uh, I will not deny a young man wild country to enjoy just because I got old. And he was <laughs> into his 80s, a big advocate for wilderness. You know, it's uh, so much more of this isn't even on public lands. But of course, people harbor large herds of elk on private lands. Right. And wolves scrambled the situation. It did change the patterns. It did. So, you know, it's that's part of the deal is um, go somewhere else. You know, you're right. You can't go there. Learn to hunt. And learn to hunt. Get on it. Get out there. I mean, I'm a... I've killed a lot of elk in my life and, um, you know, I've drugged cow elk four miles and, you know, and it's, you know, it, it's just, that's, it's, I can't stress it enough. It's supposed to be hard. It makes it rewarding, you know? And secondly, I, one of the things that never left my briefcase briefcase in the Montana legislature were peer reviewed studies on mm-hmm. how vehicles displace elk. So that you, you want more elk create more, a secure backcountry habitat for them. And that means passing some wilderness bills, which is also, you're going to have some wolves back there. You know, the Idaho thing, again, they had hunting in those areas for wolves, but they were going in with helicopters. Yeah. Yeah. The, on the public nickel. Yeah. I mean, that, that was just ridiculous. And, you know, it, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a different time. But, but again, I do think, I still firmly believe that is a, you know, not insignificant minority, but it is not the majority of the hunting community. And I think we need to reach out to them and talk to them, the majority of the hunters and say, you know, this really isn't good for your image. And, you know, you should, we really want to think about how this portrays hunters to the, you know, non-hunting public, really. And, um, you know, because there's all kinds of good polling data that people still support hunting. They understand the need for wildlife management, you know, but this is going to turn things in a real hurry, I think. Yeah, I think we've got, you know, I mean, this, uh, 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 the governor uh, in Montana that, you know, um, the legislators, um, the appointed commissioners, um, this has been a really, really bizarre switch up of, of, um, how Montana's been. And, you know, I think we had a really good run with, with Steve Bullock and, and Brian Schweitzer, you know, um, with, with, you know, we still had the issues. I mean, when I say issues, we still had, you know, we still, the, the liberal hunting, like you said, even, even Steve raised it from one to five, you know, as far as quotas and uh, bag limits and, you know, all these things still occurred under a democratic governor. But we had we had commissioners that actually had biology degrees, or we had commissioners that actually listened to science. We had one of our best commissioners that we ever had, um, you know, was a rancher, or is a rancher, yeah. and he just understood the economic value of wolves, and he understood the. So there were multiple facets of how people realized, you know, wolves were an important part of the landscape, or important car, uh, of our. Um, ecosystems, but we don't have that now. And that scares the hell out of me. I mean, we have a governor who thinks it's just quite okay to do whatever you want and kill whatever you want, you know, and we've got a legit, you know, we've got legislation coming up again in, in Montana and where we're sitting right now, that's pretty 
damn scary. What are your thoughts moving forward? And somebody who's really got that know-how in the in the political spectrum and that legislative end, wh- wh- how do you think things are going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? You know, I don't know. I don't know what more what more they can do to go at wolves. What I will say is that at this point with Montana Fish, Wildlife and Parks, every decision first and foremost is being driven by an outfitter's ability to sell mm-hmm. trophy hunts. And, and I think the hunters of Montana are pretty, pretty miffed about that from yeah. what I'm seeing out there. And, and anytime you do that, you reduce public hunting opportunity. I mean, yeah. Montana has long been a state where, you know, a, a school janitor can afford to do world-class hunts every year. And that is a real point of pride or was for the agency. And so, you know, this, this fervor against wolves is really a guise for a much different agenda. And, you know, if they, you know, they, they say you hear, that they don't want these elk and they're causing all this crop damage, but they do want them when they can sell trophy bulls. And the day the season's right. over, it's amazing how in a 12 hour period, as soon as the uh, at nightfall on the last night of the general rifle season, they go from prized assets to disease riddled pests. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah. and though, you know, and so we need to, it's important for people to understand that this is not about wolves. The wolves are a small portion of a much larger agenda, and that is the privatization of all kinds of public resources. It starts with the wildlife and then you move to the land itself. You know, if the land is if the public lands are devoid of wildlife, people aren't going to value them as much. And then you're going to you're going to want private streams. I mean, we saw this in Utah where they rolled back their stream access law. You know, it's coming in Montana. And so they want to. They want to privatize the land and the water and the fish and wildlife there. That's what this is about. And the sooner the hunters of Montana realize that, they'll realize that, you know, we 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 can vilify these wolves and stuff, but we've been duped. And um, there's a much larger agenda here that is much more a threat to our hunting traditions. Because you know what? There are far more elk in the state of Montana now than the day those wolves are reintroduced, like 70,000 more. Right. So, you know, it's, it's all a guys we have, we have um, ample elk herds around the state and in certain areas. And it's not just places without wolves. You hear that all the time and it's just fiction. It's not true. I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah. I think we've got, you know, we definitely have our, our, uh, um, our work cut out for us going forward. And I think the fact that, you know, ignoring science, um, ignoring facts, I mean, you, you can't dispute facts necessarily, but that's kind of, you know, we saw that in the last legislative session where it didn't matter. Facts did not matter. And that's why, you know, had people like Paul Fielder who turned around and said, well, this isn't about science. This is now about what was it? People, we, you know, we, 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 social tolerance. (laughs) Well, and Kim, I I guess where I I might disagree with you a little bit. Well, I think this, I mean, I think that it is, it's important to knowledge that, that social science is always a part of wildlife management. I mean, you know, in other words, I'm not, where I'm going with this is we have a saying and those of us who work in conservation that managing wildlife's easy. It's people. That's the hard part. Oh, hell yes. You know, but you know, people's opinions are facts. Social science is science, mm-hmm. but for them to just say that, you know, until they show that wolves are the driving factor in low elk numbers in Northwest Montana, when the habitat is dramatically different than it used to be, they don't have any wildlife science, you know, and where I'm going with this is wildlife science is number of calves per hundred cows you're producing, you know, and all of these things. But when they talk about being over elk objective or under objective, the objective is a social construct right. that we have created well, saying true. we we want, you know, because it's not based on 
carrying capacity of the land. We could have far more elk on the land. But we do have people in the cattle industry putting up hay and suffering some, you know, damage from elk. I understand that. Elk can come down and destroy $10,000 worth of hay in one night. And they can come down and do it again the next day. Yep. You know, so, you know, but, um, you know, but to ignore um, the social science. And there was a bill in the 2019 session to just get rid of, to to not be able to consider anything but the science. Well, I'll tell you what the hard wildlife science says. We need far more wolves on the landscape. (laughs) That's what the real hard wildlife science would tell you. But you're making a choice. They are making a choice to try to drive them down to a bare minimum number when we could have some balance. And, you know, they're not taking that into account. I mean, we have we're hunting elk six months out of the year now. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous all the way around with with, uh, you know, when I sit here in legislative sessions and, and meetings and I. I, you know, listen about, oh, we just don't have any elk. The elk numbers are down, but we have shoulder seasons over here. And right. I'm like, what does that mean? You guys can't, you're talking out of both sides of your face. And I do recognize him, and, and I, I will pick on Paul Fielder until my last breath, if if, if uh, it's prior to his but or hers. But, you know, when, when you talk about social tolerance and you talk about that type of stuff, who are you talking about? You know, and that that's his ilk and the driving force that, you know, these bills that were put out by him um, benefited him greatly. You know, the benefit that that specifically these people um, had from from killing these wolves, it's 100 percent beneficial to him and his ilk. But, you know, I think we need to be we, we need real science again and we need to pay attention to it. And we need to be, this is my, you know, obviously this is my utopia, is to be able to say we should be looking at our ecosystems and saying what's best for that. Stop worrying about what's best for the dollar bill. Because we can always put money towards this conservation. We can always put money out there. If they would accept money from, you know, non-consumptive, that'd be great. But we have to, we have to look at this differently and we have to find ways to go forward differently with our public lands because we can't keep doing it based on money. We will right. run out of wildlife. You know, well, and you know, yeah. Again, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say anything about Representative Fielder. I mean, I disagreed with a lot of his bills, but what I will say, I strongly disagreed with the bill to create bounties in Montana. I thought horrifying. that was a real, and the group, and I will say that the group that is paying those has it's been they were paying some of their own board members and staff some of the bounties and i think that should be looked at and i'll tell you i guarantee you this next session i guarantee you they're going to come in and want public money for that i mean and, and you know and that is i just fundamentally disagree with you know bounties are it's it's just a again it's part of the fervor mm-hmm. now i i'll say it for the fifth time, you know, elk numbers are down in Northwest Montana. You're right. We need a better count up there, you know, but I, I've seen the historic estimates and, you know, that was never the best elk hunting in the state. It never has been in Montana. We have, we, you know, seven administrative regions. The one that encompasses Southwest Montana region three region has three. always accounted for about half of the entire mm-hmm. state elk harvest. Absolutely. Now, are there things we could do to increase elk numbers in Northwest Montana? Probably. Um, I think it involves some burning, um, some maybe targeted timber projects, but you know, until we do have some hard science showing us what is driving these low elk numbers up there, you know, what is your calf recruitment weight? What is your cause of mortality? And until we invest in that, we can't address the problem. It's just so simple to say it's wolves. Oh yeah, and yeah. and you know it's 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 an easy answer, but they don't have any data backing that up. Well, the last study None. I think they know is the Bitterroot Elks study that they they did uh, a few years back, and the Bitterroot Elks Elk study was phenomenal. It was a great study, 
<laughs> yeah. We no, sat I'm there and, and listened to it. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, they're showing this, that human encroachment and, you know, habitat loss and the fact that legislation, you know, uh, I can't remember what the dates were. You would know this much better than I. But, you know, where they, they you know, insisted on, on killing more cows and, you know, then that's going to take time. Anyway, all these, this study went through and, and it was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. They're, they're, they're showing that, that wolves are not an issue. And, and at the end of this entire day that we sat there and listened to this, the end of the day, they said, so, uh, we need to kill more wolves. <laughs> we were like, what? <laughs> wait a minute, well, wait it, a minute, let's stop. The human component can never be held accountable. What is wrong with uh... But, that was but, oh, I, I remember very much in the East Fork of the Bitterroot in 2007. They hammered the cow elk, mm-hmm. and that was what really crippled that herd. Now there was another study up there that showed that when it comes to natural predators, non-human predators, mm-hmm. mountain lions had a more of a take on on uh, elk than wolves do too. And again, we we have to acknowledge that these are predators that are killing some elk and deer and all oh, kinds absolutely. of things. It's their meal. It's yeah. their source. It's it's right, their grocery right. store. But, you know, and that is, uh, th- then they came in with these really aggressive lion regulations and the hound hunters went ballistic. And so that shows you that the biggest advocate at times can be the hunters. You know, I mean, they, they were like, what are you trying to do here to mountain lions? You know, and so, it, you know, it's just, first off, lower your tag numbers for cow elk. And they did after the 2007 season, but they... They had a really harsh weather event, and they had a gross overharvest of elk, and that herd has never really fully recovered from that. Yeah, you know that, it, it was, that it was, was a big. It was a bad idea two, to, to do that, but yeah. right. And so you know, but again, um, you know, let's let's find out what what the root causes of these fewer elk in Northwest Montana are. So let's let's put together a real sound study. So maybe and let's that's, talk about. Maybe that's where we need to be going with the legislation then. Or at least to the commission, right? right. And, you know, actually they had proposed one, um, I think a year ago or something, and I, I'm not sure where. Where it went. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where that went. I think it got shut down, you know, and it, it it's just so much easier to say, well, wolves are doing it all. And, you know even when you don't have any data. I'll tell you another thing that is very upsetting about these bills is that there's going to be take of other non-target species from some of these methods. Well, we've got some of it. Grizzly bears are waking up and, uh, yep. you know, it's March and, and they're waking up and, you know, the snaring and all that's so frightening to me. And, um, you know, we're going to end up with some, you know, some collateral damage, uh, collateral deaths. And, and, you know, with grizzly bears, when you're hungry and you wake up, <laughs> somebody's going to get hurt. Well, or worse. I mean, you know, you're going to have a grizzly cub get caught in a snare yep. potentially, and somebody's going to walk in on a very pissed off yep. female. And I can, and I say this as a, as a person who recreates in grizzly bear country, I backpack, mm-hmm. I've seen them from my camp. Mm-hmm. I have gutted many an elk in the dark alone in heavy grizzly country. So I I am accustomed to being around grizzly bears, but, you know, you do not want to, you know, that's not going to be good for the bear. It's not going to be good for the cub. It's not going to be good for the, for the human. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to be, and it it's, it's just so unnecessary. And anyway, it's, it's where we're at. It is, it is. But I, you know, I, I, I appreciate your take on that and your, your experience and, and knowledge and expertise. I think it's important to get the information out there. Um, you know, what's, what's true and what's real and what's happening. And I think that, you know, bringing people together for the same cause, which is about our public lands, and you and I both very much agree about that, is, you know, we don't have to agree on on hunting wolves. I understand it. I, I I accept that aspect. We don't have to agree on it. What we do have to agree on is that we love to be on these lands. I'm I love to hike and 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 backpack and and you know just really I I love to recreate in in our wildlife and our wild country and and enjoy that. And you do too. And it doesn't matter if you're carrying a gun or a camera. We all have this need to come together and fight for this because we are losing it and we're losing it quite 
rapidly. And I think it's more obvious today than it ever has been. And, um, you know, an old mentor of mine, Ron Moody, I hear him in my head every day. Kim, the big picture is our public lands. Stop focusing on these little, you know, these other things. But, you know, we've got grizzly bear issues coming up. They're really trying to, uh, you know, delist the grizzly bears as well. And I think, you know, they're already marking up these, these, um, you know, bills coming, going forward, uh, at least in the last session, they were trying to put some bills out there to just be prepared for that. Um, and so I'm really concerned for grizzly bears as well. And I'm hoping that, um, people recognize that this is, this is an all out war on, on, on wildlife, but it's a war on our predators and wolves are getting the brunt of it, but you're right. I don't, it's about public lands and it's commercialization and we need to stop it. So I hope that, um, collectively we can we can pull people together i think that would be phenomenal and do good work going forward you know well i would just say him that i agree with you but i i think it's it's the larger picture in that it's about public resources period mm. whether it's whether it's the land or the water and the fish and wildlife that are there and i think that if this continues you're going to see some I hate that term, but strange bedfellows, yeah, you know, because yeah. it, uh, you know, and and when people realize that, look, you know, we can have some disagreements on wolf kill and numbers, or you know, I'd rather they're not hunted, you know, but but I tell you what, you're all being distracted yep. from the real threat to your hunting traditions, and it's not wolves you you've you've been you know it's a guise for this agenda and once we get that message out uh, i think we'll be stronger as a conservation community and which i consider myself a wildlife conservationist first and a hunter second you know i mean and i could go on and on about non-lead ammo and you know and, and sec- lastly i want to add i mean grizzly bears you're dead on i mean we supported the, when I say we, MWF supported the delisting of Yellowstone grizzlies. We did not support an immediate hunt because we had confidence in Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks to manage the species. And that confidence is gone now. I don't yeah. think they're, you know, and, and in fact, they passed bills saying we can shoot any bear seen as threatening mm-hmm. livestock. Well, what does that mean? That is so vague. And yeah. we testified as such. If you remember that. pass this bill, you will never delist grizzlies in Montana. And, you know, it's states have an amazing record managing ungulates, deer and elk and stuff, but they don't do well with predators or they would have never gone on the endangered species yeah. list in the first place. Well, in fact, that was a federal, that was a federal policy and history of settling the West. And I understand that you can't look back and criticize history, but, you know, those days are gone. I mean, you know, we've we've moved into a new era where we see the value of these species on the landscape and what they can do um, for functioning ecosystems and, and benefiting wildlife. And I think that's where we're at in 2022. Well, I'm excited to go forward and hopefully we can make these changes. And with that, I have one question for you. Um, well, actually, I have a couple questions. But one, what are you going to do now? I mean, you know, you've you've had you've had a great careers with, you know, going and digging up fossils. You've had your journalism career. You've had, you know, your 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 conservation director career. You know, you're just you're just moving into new lights. What what are your plans for the future? And 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 are you going to, uh, you know? Stick with doing what I think you do an incredible job at, which is talking and speaking conservation and and working on conservation. Um, Yeah, well, I appreciate that. You know, I loved journalism and obviously watched newspaper industry crumble and then Mm. uh, and then move to the the. I think one of the finest conservation organizations in the country in the Montana Wildlife Federation, not perfect, but, you know, we got a tremendous amount done. Um, I could, you know, go on a tremendous amount of land conservation, both public and private lands and stuff. And uh, but now I've gone into consulting on my own and I'm going to be I'm going to be involved working in um, public policy and communications in wildlife conservation. So in that's that's I mean, that will include 
helping groups with messaging and those kind of things, but also um, lobbying. <laughs> so kind of I'm going to be a lobbyist. <laughs> and in layman's terms, I'm going to be a lobbyist. I think yeah. it's great. I think, you know, life comes full circle sometimes, you know, and, and yeah. you kind of figure out where you're going and, you know, looking through your, your journalism. I mean, just going back to as a kid. Yeah, I mean, think yeah. about that. You're sitting, you know, you got that tree stand. You're 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 hunting. You're you you're seeing predators and prey, and and you know you you move on out. You start seeing, you know, really old dead stuff. I mean, you're you're just connected to that land, and I think that's that's pretty damn awesome to continue with that venture to 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 try to um, conserve. I I prefer preserve, but conserve that that for future generations and I appreciate you and everything that you've done. And, and I think everything you're going to do going forward is going to be even better. So, um, thank you for that. And thank you for hanging out with me this, uh, this evening. And I hope that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue our talks moving forward in one capacity or another, but I really do appreciate you hanging out with me tonight. Well, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. All right, Nick, we'll talk to you real soon. Take care. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining in on the conversation with Nick and I. I learned a lot, and I hope you did too. I want to thank our sponsors, SKB Cases and GVN Lighting. Have a great day.